0: You are listening to Victory Elabang Podcast. God is faithful to restore us when we fail. Find out more about this truth from this message by Pastor Ariel Marquez. Just to give us a summary of what worship is all about, can we just read this statement out loud? One, two, three. Worship, ultimate expression of our knowledge of God and what He has done. How many of you have had an experience uh, with God in your life? When you experience God in your life, our response ought to be worshiped. In the same way that David has gone through some uh, situations in his life, he faced Goliath. Uh, I believe that all of us have faced giants in our life. Uh, In times of battle, how many of you know that God is our fighter and he is our victor and he is uh, is the one who fights our battles? Uh, In times of weakness, when when, uh, David was running away from Saul and he was uh, hiding and and uh, when he was actually uh, in Ziklag and uh, you know, all his uh, children and wives were taken in times of weakness. How many of you know that God is our strength? How many of you agree with me on that? Okay. Uh, last week we talked about uh, in times of injustice uh, that God is our vindicator. Today we're going to be looking at another situation in the life of David as we come to close this uh, particular series. And uh, I'd like us to all uh, go ahead and stand up on our feet. As we give uh, reverence to the Word of God, we're going to be reading from the book of Psalm, chapter 51. If you have your Bibles, or uh, iPads, iPhone, or whatever, digital mobile device where you have your Bibles, you may go and read from there, or you may go and take a look at our uh, giant screen right here in front. Psalm 51, we're going to be reading from verses 1 to 12. Alright. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Uh, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Verse 3, or sorry, verse 4. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely, I was sinful at birth. Look at the person beside you. Sabihin sa kanya, ikaw ren. Yeah. Okay. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Verse 6. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let, the, uh, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Let's bow our right heads and pray. Father, thank you so much for uh, this afternoon even as we study your word. We ask, for God, that you would give us the same revelation as David had. When he had a time of failure, Lord God, we thank you that you... Uh, were highlighted that You are a God of second chances. You are a merciful God. A God who is compassionate, uh, abounding in loving kindness, Lord God, and You will not leave us where our sin is. And we thank You, Lord God, that You always pursue Your people, Lord God, and You will never let us go until we are restored back into Your presence. We thank You for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say, Amen. Amen. You may all be seated. Alright, we are now concluding. As I said earlier, you know, it's one uh, it's, uh, way to conclude. I know that you know, we're going to talk about failure. And how many of you have actually failed in your life? Please raise your hand. How many of you have failed in your life? You failed in school, students? How many of you failed in class or a test? Okay. Uh, maybe you're a business uh, person. You failed in your business. <clears throat> maybe you're a parent. You actually failed in some area of parenting. Or maybe you're a, a married person, okay, a husband or a wife, and you've actually failed in your commitment with your spouse. And, and I, I also believe that, you know, in times of failures, uh, there's always a provision that God has for us. Now, how do you do, uh, How do you view God in times of failures? Now, now, David, if you go to the story of David, you know we've uh, established the fact that David was actually, uh, you know, a, a mighty warrior. He fought Goliath. In fact, one of uh, you know, we've actually, you know, me personally as as a dad, I read, I I I would read stories uh, in the evening with my with my girls, and we've read several stories on David, David and Goliath, and of course, you know, when uh, David having a mighty exploit uh, as he was king of uh, of uh, Jerusalem. However, you know, there's one particular story that we never talk about about David. Have you ever, you know, if you are, how many parents do we have in this place? Please raise your hand. How many of you parents have actually read a story about David and Bathsheba? Anyone here have actually told the story? Uh, your bedtime tonight, you know, we're gonna have a bedtime story, girls, about David and Bathsheba. You know, and how many of you have done that? You know, of course, we try to, you know, cover that particular. Part in the life of David, we want to focus and highlight on the success of David, on the victory of David, how David won versus the lion and the bear and Goliath. How many of you can relate to me on that? But how many of you also know that the Bible is not afraid of, on highlighting our faults? You know, the Bible is not afraid on bring about the truth on the failures of the great heroes of the faith found in the Scriptures. And, you know, we've, uh, you know, we've studied in the past few weeks that after David had been anointed by Samuel when he was about 15 years old, he had to wait for about 15 years before he actually sat on the throne of Judah in another 7 years before being king of the entire nation of Israel. And we love David. How many of you love the character of David? But how many of you know, also know that David is not a perfect person? How many perfect people do we have in this place? Anybody? All of us have failed God at one point in our lives. Amen. Now, I'm not just talking about failure here. I'm talking about sin. Now, how many of you have actually committed a sin before the Lord? Can you please raise your hand? Look around you and see how common it is. Okay? Raise your hand if you have sinned before. If you're not raising up your hand, you have just committed your first sin. Okay? You just lied right now, okay? You know, all of us have failed God. And David, when he was established already, we know that David was a champion. We know that David was a strategist. He was a man of God. He was a harp uh, expert. He was a musician. He was a songwriter. Somebody who would sing praises unto the Lord. The reason why he was able to sing and and, and compose uh, a psalm In Psalm 23, uh, the Lord is my shepherd because he himself was a shepherd. And he actually experienced how it was to become a shepherd and taking care of sheep. Now, as the king of Israel, he was probably one of the greatest kings that Israel had had. In fact, one uh, one description that David has as king and leader of his people was he was a shepherd of the nation of Israel. But yet... Moving forward, as he you know continued to have success in his uh, you know uh, in his kingdom, he became a famous king. He'd always have victory uh, every time he would go out to war. Now we go to Second Samuel chapter eleven, wherein you know at this particular point in the life of David, you know he already received so many accolades. He had so many victories. You know he had you know the the men that he used to lead like a band of brothers who used to be like in debt, uh, in distress, discouraged are now part of his army, and they are trusted men. The Bible says in Second Samuel chapter eleven verse one: In springtime, when kings go off to war, you know what David did? Instead of leading the army of Israel, he decided to stay behind. He said, "Guide and lion, guide." Chilax mo sa bahay ko. You know, he probably decided, you know, I'm just gonna sit back, relax, sit on my lazy boy, you know, enjoy tostitos, you know, and my cheese dip, or watch, you know, cable TV, you know, and maybe just surf the net, you know, update my Facebook account or whatever. And so he was actually enjoying, you know, his time back in the palace. And the Bible says, during the time when, when kings go off to war. He was supposed to be out there leading the troops. He was supposed to be out there commanding the armies of Israel. But yet he decided to relax. He decided to just stay put in the palace and let the boys do their thing. And one particular evening, you know what happened? You know, while he was actually walking in the palace, now this is, you know, I I had to... Choose a cartoon because this is not PG 13 or R 18. GP lang tayo ngayon, kapatid, okay? David, one night, decided to walk in the palace. And as he was walking on palace grounds, he actually looked at the other house. And he saw a very beautiful woman. And that beautiful woman was taking a bath. Who's the name of that? What's the name of that woman? Bathsheba. The reason why she's named Bathsheba is because. She likes to take a bath. <laughs> in fact, I believe the literal Tagalog meaning of Bathsheba, if you look at it in Hebrew, the Tagalog meaning is Ligo na Mi. Parang ganon, okay? <laughs> uh, anyway, so... So he, was, so he was looking at this particular woman, and I'm not sure if this was the first time that David saw Bathsheba? Because they're practically neighbors. Hmm. Maybe he was actually looking for an opportune time for him to have an opportunity to have time with this lady Bathsheba as all the in, the entire armies. In fact, the husband of Bathsheba happens to be a soldier in the army of David. So what he did was... Upon seeing this beautiful woman, he actually told his servants to get the woman. You know, you know the story. If you're familiar with, uh, you know, what did that happen to David and Bathsheba? He actually slept with her that night and sent her back. But guess what? It did not end there. David, uh, Bathsheba sent word. Maybe after a few weeks, she found out that she was pregnant. And how many of you know that sin will always have consequences? Look at the person beside you and tell that person, be careful. God, be careful with my heart, okay? Be careful with Sir Chief, okay? Because God saw what you did last summer. I always feel like somebody's watching me. You know, that's the reason why, you know, David is going to try to hide this sin that he had done. And how many of you know that, you know, you see, David probably is, you know, because he, him being a strategist, he said, okay, now that Bathsheba sent a word that Bathsheba was pregnant. Maybe David thought, I'm going to fix the problem. I'm, don't worry, I'm going to fix the problem. Now, how many of you tried doing that in your life? If you have a problem, how many of you tried to fix the problem? And chances are, the more you fix it, the more problems will come. Look at the person beside you again. Sabi mo sa kanya, kaya tigilan mo na yan. Sabi mo sa kanya, Okay? So he tried fixing the problem. You know what he did? He sent word to Joab, and he said, Bring home Uriah the Hittite, the husband of Bathsheba. When Uriah came back, basically David said, Uriah, how's how's the battlefield? How's your commander Joab? And so Uriah gave a report, and he said, Okay, I want you to go down to your house, And enjoy this night with your wife. And you can go back to the battlefield the next morning. How many of you know David was trying to fix his problem? Because he's trying to cover up. Maybe if Uriah would miss his wife and would sleep with his wife, then maybe at least, you know, that sort of covers up things. Because it's going to be very obvious that Bathsheba became pregnant while Uriah was in the battlefield. Diba? Halatang obisyon. But you know what Uriah did? You know, I believe Uriah at this particular point in his life, he was probably more righteous than David. Uriah, instead of going back home to, to Bathsheba, you know where he stayed and slept that night? He stayed and slept at the entrance of the palace together with the master's servants. And when David found out, why did you not go home? You know, Uriah said to David, how can I go home? The Ark of the Covenant and the armies of the Lord are in the field fighting out there while I will go back home and sleep and enjoy with my wife. As surely as the Lord lives, I will never do such a thing. Oh. Maybe David felt something. Oh, this guy is more righteous than me. And yet what David did was, okay, stay here another night, tomorrow you go back to the battlefield. So what David did, is he fed Uriah, had dinner with him, drank with him, made him drunk, so at least, he will not know what he's doing, and send him back home, and go and sleep with Bathsheba. But you know what happened, again, even in the drunken state of Uriah, I mean, think about this with me for a moment. In the drunken state of this guy, the Hittite, he did not go back home to his wife and enjoy because he knew for a fact that the armies are out there. Guess where he stayed again? In the entrance of the palace. Together with the master servant. So David said, Plan B. You don't want to go home? <laughs> For you. So David gave a letter to Uriah to hand deliver to Joab. And basically, the letter says, Put Uriah in the fiercest part of the battle. And that's exactly what happened. David was a military man, David was a strategist, and he knew where it would be fierce. And there, Uriah the Hittite died. And Jacob, uh, and Joab. Sent word back to David and said, "You know, we lost this day, and you know we've had so many casualties. Okay, by the way, your servant Uriah was dead." And when news came to Bathsheba, basically Bathsheba went and mourned for her husband. But after the mourning came, David practically took Bathsheba into the palace and became his wife. Can you imagine the deception para pang-movies? Now that you are a widow, it's legal for me to take you as my wife. And the Bible says, the very last verse of 2 Samuel chapter 11, this thing that the Lord, uh, this thing that David did displaced the Lord. In fact, David was a successful man. I was reminded of this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It says, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful. Look at the person beside you. Tell the person, be careful of your heart. No, no. Be careful that you don't fall. Be careful. You know, David thought for a while. Now you know I am invincible. You know I am close to the Lord. Come in the Lord. Body, body. Come in the Lord. Kaya, kaya to. you know. Sometimes if you're a Christian and if you assume that you are above this sin, be careful. Because chances are, that's also your weak spot. That's exactly what happened to David. Now, how did David see God in his failures? Let's go and look at three things about who God is in the life of David when he failed God. Number one is a righteous God who hates sin. Can we read this out loud? One, two, three. A righteous God who hates sin. If you're going to be reading like a book or a chapter of the book in the life of David at this particular point, I would entitle this, The Rebuke. He probably found out, kay Lord. You know, now that now it's fixed. He probably thought, now it's fixed. Uriah is dead, but she was my wife. So what's wrong with this? How many of you, you know, it's getting, it's getting what uh, David's trying to think at that time? I I fix the problem. But see, si Lord, alam niya yung problema ni David. And God will not stop at us until we're able to come face to face and deal with our sins and transgressions. Amen. How many of you appreciate the Lord like that? Hindi. Okay? tayo kay Lord, di ba? But this is reality. He is a righteous judge who hates sin. And guess what? Since David did not want to listen to God straight, he sent a prophet. Prophet Nathan. Cardinals na ba? So he sent Prophet Nathan. And you'll find this in 2 Samuel chapter 12. And when the Prophet Nathan went to David, he basically opened with a story. And Nathan went to David and he said, O king, let me tell you a story. There's a rich man who owned a lot of things... And he owned a large amount of sheep and a large number of cattle in his field. And there's another man who's very poor. And this poor man owned just one little lamb. I don't know if his name was Mary, but he had a little lamb. Right? And this lamb, the family loved. And he, the lamb basically grew with them in the, in the home. And it says that they fed the lamb in fact it drank from the same cup that he drinks from and it would sleep in his arms and he would treat it like his own daughter and one day you know he was basically painting a picture in the mind of david and then you and then um, prophet nathan said but one day a traveler went to the rich man and the rich man wanted to provide dinner for the traveler so instead of him getting Food or sheep from his cattle? Guess where he got it from? He got the lamb of the poor man. You know, when David heard this particular story, the Bible says David burned with anger, and he said, "That man ought to die." Galit, galit. You know what what Nathan said in verse seven? Nathan said to David, "You." Are the man? This is what the Lord the God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. You know, basically Nathan was trying to pin down David, he was saying to David, You are that man. He didn't say you the man, he didn't say you the man. He actually said, You are the man. He was pointing to him that you committed this crime. You committed this sin, and you've got to pay. He continued on. He said, I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if all this has been too little, I would have given you even more. Now why did you desire the world or despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah. How many of you know that the secret of David was now suddenly being exposed? How many of you know that God has a way of exposing our sins? Amen. And when God does that, it's not so that we can be judged to perdition and be destroyed, but it's so that He can restore us back to Him again. Amen. And there's a reason why God is constantly pursuing us. And God did not let up on David. God had a mighty plan and a mighty purpose for this king. And yet, this particular situation in his life is stopping him from fulfilling the purpose of God in his life. That's why he sent a prophet to correct him, to rebuke him, and to get him out of this particular trap in sin. And then he continued, you took his wife to be your own, you killed him with the sword of the Amorites. Now therefore, the sword will never depart from your house, because you despised me and you took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. This is what the Lord says. Out of your own household, I am going to bring calamity upon you. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you. And he will lie with your wives in broad daylight. What you did in secret. but I uh, You did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all of Israel. How I many of you agree with me that sin has consequences? You know, sin will always have consequences. Yes, we have a mighty God who forgives. And we're going to talk about that in a while. But first and foremost, we need to understand that our God is a righteous judge. And He is a holy God. He hates sin, and yet He loves us. And He'll deal with sin as it, as it is. And guess what? In sin, when God when God looks at sin... He, cannot, he does not categorize sin. Probably You probably look at the life of David. Eh, eh, must grab it pala si David eh. David committed adultery. I did not. He committed murder. I did not. Guess what? Sin is sin. There's no, 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 no venial sin. There's no mortal sin. There's no uh, okay, uh, whatever kind of sin. It's uh, just major sin. Sin is sin. And guess what? When you talk about sin, sin one sin is enough to bring us to hell. The Bible says for the wages of sin is what is death. There's no category of sin. Sin has consequences. In fact, you can choose your sin, but you can never choose the outcome of your consequences. You can choose what type of sin you can do, but you can never choose the consequences that will come from the sin that you did. In fact... What happened in the life of David, when Nathan was talking about, you know, from your own household, the sword will never depart. His very own son, Absalom, tried to snatch the kingdom away from him. His daughter, Tamar, was raped by his very own son, Amnon. And the list goes on and on and on. And You know, there's just enmity and and division in the family of David. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 15. In fact, after Nathan had gone home, the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife, had born to David, and he became ill. Remember, Bathsheba became pregnant. That same baby died. It did not live. Because sin has consequences. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 to 21 says, The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Can we all read this out loud? The list 1, 2, 3. Sexual immorality. I praise God that the Bible did not end with this. Amen. God did not just leave David in a state of calamity. But He actually went on to restore the man that was after his heart. Now, how did David see God in his failure? First was he was a righteous God who hates sin. Second, he was a merciful God who forgives sin. And I call this the repentance. Basically, God gave David the chance. And, and in the, you know, the situation, how many of you appreciate that God is a God of second chances? How many of you are glad that God gave you a second chance? And a third chance? And a fourth chance? and multiple chances now let's not abuse the grace of god ni lord eh gawin na lang and sometimes the way we pray is lord forgive me for all the sins i have done before and forgive me because i plan to do them again <laughs> if we do this then we don't understand the grace and the mercy and the compassion And the loving kindness of God. The Bible says in Lamentations chapter 3, His love and His compassion, they're new every morning. How many of you are glad that God's compassion, hits new every morning? When you wake up tomorrow, guess what? The compassion of God is new for you. It's not stale. If you do something today that's displeasing to God, guess what? The mercy and the compassion of God is new for you tomorrow. How many of you are thankful for the Lord for that? Amen. But let's not abuse that. Alright? Now this is what David did. Now back to Psalm 51. He said, I have mercy on me, O God, according to your untailing love, according to your great compassion, what? Blot out my transgressions. And he was calling his sin as transgressions. Verse 2, he said, Wash away all my what? Iniquity. And cleanse me from my sin. Now he was trying to you know, summarize what he did before the Lord. Lord, forgive me for my transgressions, my iniquities, my sin. And he was basically telling God, I am the problem. He did not pass the blame. Hello? How many of us sometimes, I mean, sometimes when we are caught, we still try to pass the blame. But not David. He admitted the crime and he said, I did it. I offended God, and I am guilty as charged. And the three things that he used to describe his sin was, number one, transgressions. Everybody say transgressions. Okay, in Hebrew, this word is called pesha. Everybody say pesha. Pag mo to pesha ka talaga. Pesha. Okay, rebellion. Rebellious acts. Tra- trespass. Second is iniquity. The Hebrew for iniquity is what? Avon. If you're an Avon lady, sorry, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's not intended, okay? but somehow the Hebrew of iniquity is Avon, okay, or Avon, okay, Avon na lang, Avon, okay, okay Avon na lang para hindi kayo mapahamak, okay. Now, what are you selling? Perversity. Nirewag na wento I'm selling depravity. Hindi naman okay? Now, if you're an even lady, keep your job. You know, I, you know, I believe that God has. Redeem you from that. Anyway, so perversity, depravity, moral evil, fault, mischief, and sin. The Hebrew of sin is what? Chata'a. Everybody Chata'a. Kailaham malutong. Chata'a. Yeah, okay. An offense, a wicked thing, condition, guilt of sin. This was the condition of the heart of David. In fact, this is the condition of our heart today. How many of you have actually committed a transgression before the Lord? How many of you have committed iniquity before the Lord? How many of you have committed sin before the Lord? But the response of God is, oh, No. God actually blots out our transgression. He washes away our iniquity. And He cleanses our sin. So that we can be as white as snow. Amen. He will not leave us where we are, but He will actually forgive us, and be merciful to us. Amen. Can we just give the Lord a hand for us and appreciate His love and kindness and compassion for us. In verse 7, it says, Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. How many of you have seen snow in your life? An actual snow? I haven't seen snow yet. I've just seen snow in the movie, and I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. But anyway, the Bible described. When God fixes us, when God forgives us, that He washes us as white as snow. And David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. He basically took the blame. He took the guilt and he said, guilty as charged. And in verse 4, we can see the parallel version of this particular confession of David to Nathan. He said, against you, you only have I sinned. And done what is evil in your in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Basically, David admitted his guilt and accepted responsibility for his sin. He did not justify nor pass the blame to others. You know there are two kinds of sorrow. Second Corinthians talks about a godly sorrow and a worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow brings repentance; that leads. That gives salvation leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow basically brings death. Of course, I don't have time to differentiate and compare the two kings, but King Saul, when he was being uh, rebuked by the prophet Samuel because of his sin of rebellion and disobedience, basically he tried to justify this sin. And he said, the reason why I did not kill everything was because I wanted to make a sacrifice To the Lord, remember that? God gave him uh, an order to kill everything, all the enemies, but he kept the best for himself. And he said, I want to sacrifice to the Lord. And Samuel said, guess what? Obedience is better than sacrifice. And And Saul said to Samuel, then, okay, I sinned before the Lord, but can you honor me before my men? That was the attitude of Saul. A worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow is something like, pag nahuli ka, tsaka ka-aamin. Bago As that person, ganoon ka ba? But a godly sorrow is actually, like David, he took the blame, he did not pass the, the baton, ako yung gumawa. Sabihin mo na ako na lang yun, ako na, I did it before the Lord. And I accept all the punishment. But the good thing is God forgave David. But the Bible says in Psalm 32, it says, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Now, how many of you know that the blessing of God is not limited to material possessions? You know, we pray for blessings. We pray for finances. We pray for a nice job. We pray for houses and cars. and You know, if you're single, you pray for a house. You pray for a spouse. But how many of you know that the blessing of God includes salvation and forgiveness? And that is the best blessing of all. Blessed is He whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. And the last thing that we can see in the life of David. As he saw God, not only was He a righteous God and a merciful God, but He's also a compassionate God who restores us. And I call this chapter, the restoration. And we read on. In verse 10 of Psalm 51, it says, Create in me a pure heart, O Lord, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. You know, I realize that the reason why man sins is because of a bad heart, a wicked heart, an evil heart. And it does not need just tune-up. It needs change. It needs overhaul. And basically, what God does to us is He gets our old heart and replaces it with a new heart. And that's exactly what David was asking, create in me, once again, a pure heart, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence, or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. The three things that God restored to David, basically, is a clean heart and a steadfast spirit. He basically gave David a fresh start in a new beginning. He also was conscious enough because he loved the presence of God. David was a psalmist. David knew how it is to you know to, to enjoy the presence of God. And he was scared that he would lose the presence of God. And he was asking, Lord, do not take your presence from me. And maybe some of us, when we sin, we feel like God is far from us. How many of you sometimes feel that? Francis, can I can I borrow you for a while? Let's say. Just for illustration's sake, Francis is God. Okay? of course, may ito malayo na no? pero tunong hari lang. Okay, that Francis is God, and I am David. Okay, or I am us. Okay, and guess what? You know, David enjoys the presence of God. you, Lord. Okay, thank you. naman. Okay ka ako hindi. so you know he enjoys the presence of God. But there are times when we sin. And how many of you sometimes feel that when you sin, you go farther and farther away from God? Right? Sometimes you want to run away from God, out of rebellion. Lord, surely you will not go to the bars I'm going to. (laughs) Hello, ka. Or maybe you'll not go to this, whatever, this particular sin or joint that I'm going to. And the farther we go away from God, you know, we sense that God, I don't deserve you. I want to leave me, Lord. I don't deserve your presence, your forgiveness. And the more you go in your rebellion, the more you feel that you're farther and farther and you're farther away from God. Guess what? In the times when you need to turn back to God, and when God calls you, guess where the Lord is? He is just beside you. Lord, you're there. The Bible says, He will never leave us, nor forsake us. Amen. Thank you, God. Thank you. You Just read the book of Psalm 139. Where can I go from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. Obviously, God is in the heavens. But if I make my beds in the depths, you are also there. And if I move to the sea, you're there. If I move to the land, you're there. Everywhere you go, guess what? God is there. Where can I flee from your presence? It's a rhetorical question. And the answer is, you can never flee from the presence of God. You can run, but you can't hide. Because God's love for you is eternal. And God will never give up on us. One last thing. David was asking, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And how many of you know it's fun to be saved? It's more fun than in the Philippines, right? (laughs) Salvation is funner than being just in the Philippines. You know, there's a joy that is given to us because of the salvation that was given to us by God. It's amazing that God did not just forgive David. He restored so much more in the life of this man. And in second samuel chapter 12 verse 24 after the first son of david with bathsheba died the bible says in verse 24 then david comforted comforted his wife bathsheba now wife na Okay, pinakasalan niya okay hello di ba pinakasalan and he went to her and lay with her she gave birth to a son and they named him what Solomon, who happens to be the next king of Israel and who became the richest and the wisest king who ever lived. The Lord loved him. Guess what? There was no trace of sin in the life of Solomon because God forgave David and He restored David back to him. And because the Lord loved him, He sent word through Nathan, the prophet, to name him what? Jedidiah. Everybody say, Jedidiah. So if you're looking for a name for your son, name him Jedi. Okay? (laughs) Okay. Jedidiah. And Jedidiah means love by the Lord. What an amazing story. What an amazing redemptive story. From the same loins where David actually committed an adultery, from the same woman Bathsheba, God chose this woman to be the mother of Solomon who eventually became the lineage of our Lord Jesus Christ. God restores us. Amen. He forgives us of our sins and He will continue to fulfill His purpose with you no matter how stubborn we can be sometimes. Amen. Now how does God see David as I come to a close? At the end of his life. We talked about how David looked at God. He was a righteous God. He was a merciful God. That he was a compassionate God. But how does God now look at David? At the end of his life, after all his sin and failure, can you imagine, if at the end of David and he died, what would be written on his tombstone? Ano nakalagay doon? Adulterer, murderer, reprobate dad. Di ba? Ganun ba nakalagay? No. The Bible says in Acts chapter 13, For when David had served God's purpose in his generation. In the eyes of God, David completed what he planned for him and he served his purpose in his generation. And then he fell asleep. Nakatulong din, si David. No, actually, he died. And the same, you know, the same David who committed the sin of adultery and murder was now known as the man after God's own heart. And that became the more famous title of David. Not an adulterer, not as a murderer, not as an incompetent parent, but as a man after God's own heart. In times of failure, God restores us when we repent and worship Him. Amen? Guess what? God is an everlasting God. He's abounding in loving kindness and compassion. Just before we come to a close, let me just ask you this, to bring home this point. Now, this is quite practical, okay? Now, who will win? I'm gonna ask you this question. Who will win? If there's a battle between two foes, who will win between Optimus Prime and Hello Kitty? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Obvious ba? Kitty, and Hello then, and then. Of course, Optimus Prime will win, right? In the battle between Optimus Prime in the universe and Hello Kitty... Optimus Prime will win. Now, who will win? The fastest man, uh, Hussein Bolt, or a turtle? No-brainer. Of course, Hussein Bolt will win every time. Who will win in basketball game? Lebron James? Or boom, boy pickup? <laughs> Obvious ba? Now, who will win in a fight? Wolverine? Or... Barney! Now be careful, if you're asking a child, it's going to be Barney, the the purple dinosaur. But let me ask you this last question. Who will win between a compassionate, a merciful, and a loving God versus our iniquities and our transgressions and our shortcomings before the Lord? Who will win? God will win all the time. He gave provisions on the cross for that. Amen. It's a no-brainer. No matter how much sin you've committed in your life, you're doing right now, and what you will do in the future, guess what? The cross has given provision for our forgiveness. In Him, we have redemption through His blood for the forgiveness of sin in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. We hope you were inspired by that message. Watch out for more updates on coming events in our website at www.victoryalabang.org. You can also be part of the family by liking us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang and following us on twitter.com slash victoryalabang. Thank you and stay connected.